Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly. My name is Trevor. I am one of the pastors at the Church of Greer Station and your host. The Weekly is a 20-minute podcast devoted to books, current events, and issues relevant to the life of our church. Now, it's pretty common for us to find ourselves in seasons of doubt. Today on the podcast, I have Jim Slice and Billy Canada, one of our members on, to talk about this issue. What do we do with our doubts? What are some of the things that cause us to doubt? And how do we handle our doubts when we find ourselves doubting? I hope you find this episode helpful, and I hope it encourages you. And if you're in a place of doubt, I hope that it encourages you to keep wrestling and keep bringing those doubts to the Lord. And also, I hope that you enjoy the new theme song that we've wheeled out this week. And if you ever have any kind of feedback for us on the weekly, let me know. Let me know what things would be helpful, what things we can improve, and even what things you would like to hear us talk about. Hope you enjoy. What's up, Billy? Oh, not much. Just doing so great. Why are you doing so great, Billy? Oh, you just lost me. I feel wonderful about life right now. That's great. The it's, enemy it's... is vanquished. We're <laughs> the back on the right track. Been defeated. Other than being the one who hates Duke on behalf of the Church at Greer Station, how else do you serve our body? Oh, I'm one of the pastors here at the Church at Greer Station. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do. I'm a faithful member. Uh, my wife Shannon and I been here since the start and um that's about the extent of it we just really love the people here and never want to leave yeah right on <laughs> yeah so um <clears throat> billy you, you yeah you were you guys were part of the group that kind of became the seedlings of the church yeah uh, a small group that we had of the church uh, of the church of cherrydale that kind of grew into the launch team so yeah it's been so amazing to watch it grow too because you know like there used to not be people that i didn't know at church and now it's it's a really intentional effort to talk to everybody and get to know people so uh, it's just been a crazy ride yeah it's amazing all right now here's a, a surprise question for you guys what is something by, by the way jim, <laughs> jim is a little, a little sick so if he I think you described yourself as a decades-long smoker earlier, maybe? Yeah, chain smoker into my 70s. Like, I think that's what I kind of sound like tonight. Yeah. Um, and other times I, I sound like a ghost. So, um, It's perfect. Okay. Um, chain smoker slash ghost. All right, so what is something that you have recently formed an opinion about? Ooh. Hmm. Recently formed an opinion. I think, uh, I'm just sorry. I'm just me. Okay. The mic's still working. Sorry for that snap. Go ahead, Billy. I think oatmeal cream pies are the worst of the Debbie cakes. Yeah. And I have a very strong opinion of that. Why are they the worst? They're just not, and they're not good. Everyone pretends like they're good. Like they're the Debbie cake that gets put into all the bad bag lunches. And it's just, it's a hot take that I want to have in in my life right now (laughs) that, you know the oatmeal cream pies are just not a good, uh, not a good little Debbie cake. You know who disagrees with you? Those desperate, hungry children from Honey I Shrunk oh, the Kids. Man. Yeah, no, from Honey Oh, that would be terrible. When, when you were millimeters tall and you were lost in the wilderness of your friend's backyard, and oatmeal cream pie mm. just happens to land in your vicinity, tell me then that they're the worst Debbie cake. Ever. Even loving true, oatmeal cream pies, that scene still makes me kind of sick. Like, even loving oatmeal cream pies, I'm like, like a whole handful of. <laughs> Um, oatmeal cream pie, cream stuffing, um, a whole handful of the cake. Like, it seems like they would just have horrible stomach aches trying to get home the whole way. <laughs> I've always wondered too if they're the size of their 
I don't know, physiology, if that affects the way that it digests. The, I'm sure it does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Interestingly, we never see anything about that in movies. Mm. Well, um, I don't even know how to segue. <laughs> so th- this morning, this morning I taught on, we're filming this on Sunday night, and after having taught on the passage in Matthew chapter 12, where the Pharisees come to Jesus demanding a sign, and we talked about that there's there's differing ways to approach Jesus with our doubt, differing ways to... Uh, come to Jesus with our questions regarding his legitimacy. There's, there's, We can come like the man in Luke chapter 9 who says, I believe, help my unbelief. Or we can come like the Pharisees and scribes, how we've kind of seen this pattern across these middle chapters of Matthew. They come antagonistic. They come looking to entrap Jesus. Um, and, and I thought this would be a helpful thing for us to continue to talk around. Um, this idea of struggling to believe, doubt and mm. faith. Um one of the things that I guess kind of brought this topic to the fore for me was reading through a book. How many years ago was that? Two years? Yeah. Um, re- reading through the book, How Not to Be Secular by Jamie Smith. And one of the things that he talks about in the book that was that was helpful because it felt like he was kind of reading my mail, so to speak, was um, when he talked about the disbelief kind of haunting you, like sort of always, always lurking in the back of your mind for a, a wide variety of reasons. That we'll get into in a moment. Um, so, I mean, can you guys relate with that at all? Have you guys ever struggled with doubt in your life? Yeah, I, I would say a practical way that I do um, is, uh, you know, I, I can't really relate with um, having a lot of struggles of, you know, not believing that God exists or that the gospel is true. It has always felt true to me, um, and it's the reason I'm a Christian. I would say the way it takes hold in my life is just living in a state of unbelief. Um, if I'm not careful, I'll, I'll, you know, be doing devotions one day or um, having meaningful conversations, but then the next day I'll live like um, none of that made any difference in my life. Like, do I pray for people? Do I, um, you know? go to the Lord with big decisions? Do I, you know, live in a way that would be considered uh, one who believes? Um, and I, I think that's just, it, like, me walking around, you know, in doubt looks like me walking around living for myself. And um, I, I think as I've analyzed that question just of what doubt looks like in my life, I just think it's more of a uh, under-the-radar type doubt that's maybe more vicious than asking the question mm. of does God exist? Because the question of does God exist mean, means you're thinking about something meaningful and something eternal and that matters to you. But just with an attitude of, you know, not really caring if God exists or not is mm. a worse state to be in. So, mm. Yeah. Um, I've heard that described before as like a functional atheism. Um, I was reading a, a book, I can't remember the author's name, it's like Joseph Minich, I think, and I think the book's called Enduring Divine Absence, but he talks about, in that book, how belief in this day and age, this secular age, feels like an act of the will. It doesn't feel like it can kind of be a default for us. It's like, it, it feels like believing in God sometimes requires, like, effort in a way that's different than, he used the example of Ghostbusters, believing that Ghostbusters is a movie. Um, what about you, Jim? How, how would you say that you've experienced doubt? Um, I think the times in my life where doubt has assailed me most is when 
relationships have been broken through sin, um, whether it's someone that I have looked to as a, a trusted teacher um, or just a brother in the faith who walks away from the faith or um, some sort of enmity rises up between us. And I, you know, start to wonder, I'm like, you know, does, doesn't the gospel address this? Why can't we come to terms? Or this person has walked with the Lord for many years and, and seemed very zealous. Um, why now are they falling away? And um, if that could happen to them, um, could it happen to me as well? Mm. So um, I think that's, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Do you guys think we're alone in this? Do you think that the folks listening can just us three? Yeah, the three of us are the only ones who struggle. No, I know. I think it's a very uh, really. It's funny thinking about this because I think you do kind of assume that you know. No, my faith is. uh, I believe, um, but I think if you do look at your heart, um, that there are areas where you're not giving to God. There, there are areas where you are a functional atheist in a sense. so, no, I, I, I do not think that. I think that um, a lot of folks maybe operate in a similar sort of way, and I think it just takes a very intentional effort to not do that. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Jim? Um, yeah, everyone's going to experience this at some point or another throughout their walk with Christ. Yeah. I, I had a philosophy professor at North Greenville, Dr. Johnson, and recently... I was talking with him about just, we were just kind of catching up and, and was telling him about an Easter sermon I did where I talked about the problem of evil. And I asked him, I was just really curious. He's a man that I highly revered and a man whose opinion that I, you know, obviously give a lot of credence to. I asked him, do you ever struggle with doubt? Like, is there any place where you're tempted not to believe or you ever feel yourself pulled by unbelief? And he said, yeah, like the, the problem of evil, like the experience of suffering and the experience of evil in the world is a struggle for him. Mm-hmm. Like when he looks out and sees the existence of evil, he wonders if God exists and if he could be good. I think too, I, one thing I wanted to add to that is, um, you know, in, in Romans, Paul talks about, um, you know, what can be known about God being plain to us. So mm. in the same way you can see evil in the world, you can see evidence of God's creation mm. and you can look around and even the unrighteous will have some idea. There won't be an excuse for them, um, is what Paul says. So, um, I think in the same way you could look around and question your beliefs, I think you can just as easily look around and see that there's no need to doubt. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's more or less how, how he responded to it. I, I kind of asked him, like, what do you what do you do with that? And he, he more or less said the same thing. Like, um, what other answer is there? Like, he kind of echoed Peter's words, I think it's in mm. John chapter 6. Where to he whom says, shall we go? To whom shall we go? Like, who else has the words of life? It's like... What other option is there but to believe in God's goodness and, and His grace to us in Christ? And that was really helpful for me and kind of freeing and almost, um, I have, hesitate to even use this word, but kind of, well, I'm not, even, I'm not I was going to say empowering, but I'm going to edit that out. No. I, like it. I feel like <laughs> say I it. I feel like I say oh, every podcast that I'm going to edit something out of the podcast. But you never do. But I never do. Editing's hard, man. Editing is the worst. Editing yeah. is the worst. That's why I don't edit these things out, is because it is the worst. And because once I, I am the one who edits and posts the show and if you're listening to this and you have that ability um you and you want to volunteer for that please do um fyi so what we've already mentioned um the kind of functional atheism where we 
we live in a way where it doesn't feel like our faith makes any kind of difference in our daily life. We've mentioned that as, a, as kind of a, a type of doubt that we experience. Um, we mentioned uh, doubt when it comes from seeing like moral failings or seeing the church um, eat itself alive and conflict and, and see our mentors blow their lives up and those sorts of terrible things. What are some other reasons you think that we doubt? We find ourselves doubting. Um, I think that um, a lot of times we want to excuse our own sin. Mm. Um, for the person who wants to cherish their sin, who wants to run away from the authority of God, um, doubting questions um, about his existence, his goodness um, are you know, powerful justification for following following their own desires. Mm. And, um, um, you know, this has happened in my life and I've seen it in, in other people's lives as well. Um, so there, you know, there are, there are questions that are, are sort of difficult to understand the answers to. Um, but sometimes those questions can be raised as a smokescreen, mm. um, as much as anything. Mm. And that's, of course, not to say that every single time that they're raised that it is a smokescreen. No, and it's not the first thing I would go to. No, yeah. if someone's saying, like, I'm struggling with doubt, um, I wouldn't say, like, ah, smokescreen for sin. <laughs> <laughs> I would go ahead and confess and repent. Um, yeah. But but that's in the back of my mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've experienced that and have both in, like, committing that and, you know, having that smokescreen kind of thrown up at me. I think um, I think of uh, Jude's words. Is it Jude 16, 18, somewhere around there, where he says, be merciful to those who doubt. And it's just amazing to me that anyone, it seems like in, in my mind, I just assume that anyone in the first century, you know, that close to the events of Jesus' death and resurrection and the explosion of the early church, like surely no one would have trouble believing then. But Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. So. Mm-hmm. So th- there can be a kind of doubt that is legitimate and, I don't know, prompts mercy in us, mm-hmm. right? Like that the proper way to respond is, is to be merciful. What, what sort of, what, what does that doubt look like? Like what will be an example of someone who has that sort of doubt that requires like mercy and patience and tenderness? I can think of one example um, that D.A. Carson brought up. Um, and I, I don't know who he was quoting, I can't recall. But he was talking about a philosopher, and a philosopher who was sort of doing a review of, of major worldviews and religions, and he came to Christianity. And, and he said, you know, Christianity, like, good message, mercy, forgiveness. The one problem is, is it's too good to be true. Mm. Like, um, they're... There can't be justice and this sort of offer of forgiveness. Um, And um, so I I think that's one doubt that people have. Can I be forgiven? Mm. Is this gospel for me? And like another, you know, similar doubt is, are God's good promises, are they for me? Mm. That's good. That's really good. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that, Billy? I have nothing to add. <laughs> that was yeah. a really good answer. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I, um, kind of a doubt as to whether or not God could actually love me and doubt as to whether or not the offer of forgiveness could be for real. Um, 
and sort of a lingering anxiety that I have done or am in the process of doing or on the cusp of doing something that will disqualify me mm-hmm. from being saved. Um, you know, and I suppose there's a, there's a sort of healthy tension there where, where we do want to have, I don't know, a, a proper kind of respect and awareness that at any moment I could make a really boneheaded decision. But at the same time, like, um, a kind of low-grade uh, fear that God can't love me, I think, is a sort of doubt that needs to be addressed. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think I experienced that. A significant amount I think when it comes to repentance uh, you know I, I have a lot of trouble believing the gospel not in the sense that I can be forgiven um, but maybe I maybe I do like I oftentimes you know maybe the most essential part of the gospel that I find myself disbelieving all the time is you know not being able to be forgiven for something, even though I know that is a horrible untruth. Uh, that's it's something that my mind defaults back to, is that why am I going to do this again when I'm going to be right back here, or why mm. am I going to uh, you know try this when God can't possibly want me now? So, mm. um, no, I think that's a big factor mm. to that. Mm. And I think maybe related to that is like a doubt in God's ability to really do anything in us like mm. a, a doubt it seems to be kind of what you're saying Billy like a, a doubt that God can actually successfully re- sanctify us mm-hmm. you know I think of Paul's words in Philippians 1 where he talks about completing what he started in us and it's like you kind of look at that like kind of squinty eyes like you sure about that mm-hmm. um, like a doubt that he can really make a dent in in me um, yeah, and I think the important thing too, it, I mean, when you think about how do you combat those things, is we talk about remembering a lot, like remembering yeah. what the Lord has done for you. The evidence for what God has done, you can find in Scripture, but you can also find in your own life. Like, mm. what has God done for you in the past that has uh, shown you evidence uh, that He's there, that He loves you, that He'll forgive you? Um, I think that more times than often uh, in my life has uh, been the thing that's brought me back to repentance is you know he did it then he can do it now um and i can give anything to him i i don't have to worry that this thing is too big or this this is one sin too many or whatever uh, I, I do think that you know looking back and seeing what god has done and where he's brought you from even if you feel like you haven't done anything recently or that you haven't been much of anything or you're a crappy dad or bad husband like i often feel you know, you can look at where the Lord's brought you from and, mm. and say, like, no, he's he's doing a work. It'll He'll complete it. Uh, I just need to, you know, stop doubting so much. But uh, mm. I don't know. Uh, easier really said good. than done. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, there's, there's, this, there's somebody I've known for a couple of years now and been walking with this person, and frequently I say, like, this is not the same you that I knew two years ago. Mm. And frequently she's like, I just, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I'm not, I'm not certain that this is going anywhere. And I always say, like, this is, I, I, this is not the same you that I, that I once saw. And um, I think there is something to be said for, like, uh, brothers and sisters around you who can kind of speak into that process. And, mm-hmm. and that you can kind of vocalize your doubts and concerns and the things you're wrestling with so that they can, you know, oftentimes, 
like bring truth to bear more clearly on your situation than you can as, as one who's in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, what, what final words in these last few minutes, what final words of encouragement would you have for our listeners? Um, I would say that the doubts that have persisted through my walk with Christ um, have been addressed by continual reading and rereading of the Word of God um, the you know the, the questions about well if you know if, if the mighty if those who appear to be faithful can fall um, you know what hope is there for me um, and is the Bible real um, the Bible speaks to all those things and mm-hmm. it speaks to churches that are broken um, it speaks to um, people who have claimed Christ um, and fallen away or claim Christ fallen into sin and he's redeemed them from that um, and but it was continual rereading of these things that um, would address my my doubts and I say if these things are a lie they're like the most well crafted constructed self-supporting self-coherent lie ever told um, in all of human history so that's kind of a weird thing to say at the end but <laughs> that's good that's really good um I think, you know, doubt can be a good thing in, in some mm. ways. It's good to, you know, assess your beliefs. Uh, I always listen to a famous radio host uh, who says, know what you believe and why you believe it. And I think that's a good way to be in general. Uh, but the thing with doubt in as believers, as Christians, is it can be very destructive. Mm. Uh, and I would caution folks not to linger in the doubt but rather trust and promises in what God has done and what he said in um, the things that you see around you in creation um, and the things that have been made I think uh, to linger in doubt can be an extremely destructive thing um, but uh, a healthy concern for your faith and uh, for the gospel I think is uh, very good for Christians and something that could be helpful. It's just walking that line. Uh, don't go into autopilot and become a you know functional atheist. Um, you know, be aware of what your actions and how you do and say things. So yeah, yeah, that's good. Really good. Cool. Well, thanks for your time tonight, guys. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. I'm gonna edit that to make it smoother. <laughs> <laughs>